Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. I, uh, I'm so excited. Tonight is a new series we're uh, starting. And if you're brand new, my name is Tyler. We just finished a series titled Knowing God. It was six and a half months long. It was uh, one of my favorite series we've ever done. Uh, check it out if you have some time to binge watch a series of six and a half months long. Uh, it's the Gospel of John. But tonight, we're starting a series titled, What's the Big Deal? Turn in there and say, what's the big deal? It's kind of fun, right? It's just fun to say. Now, I, I love preaching on the book, but something I want to do uh, for just a short five, six week period is I want to look at topics in the Bible that were a big deal to God, that he would talk about them all the time. Like, did you know prayer? He talks about 116 times. I'll show it to you. My, my concordance uh, showed me this. So 116 times uh, God talks about prayer. Uh, where's it at? I've got to find it because I put it somewhere else. Here we go. Here we go. La da 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 da. Um, maybe I can't find it. Oh no. Oh, I found it. Pray, prayer, praying, ask, asking, seek, seeking, knock, knock, knocking, watch. 116 times, top five. So he's talking about it all the time. It's a big deal to God. I'll hear Christians say this to me all the time. What's the big deal with community? Why are you always talking about getting a small group? What's the big deal with serving, Tyler? Are you always telling us, why is that such a big deal to you? So what's, what's the big deal with, with generosity? Why do you talk about generosity? Hey, what's the big deal with church? Is it really that important that I'm there a lot? Should I, if I come once a month, is that good enough? What, what's the big deal with prayer? I, I preached on the Word recently. Just What's the big deal with this whole Bible thing? When we get done with this series, I think things that you don't value right now, ooh, you're going to value them. I believe it's going to change. Let me, let me, let me put it this way. Um, recently, I uh, got to buy a house. Jehovah Jireh. Uh, Jehovah Nisi, um, Yeshua. Um, those are all the names. Those are all the names of Jesus. If you didn't know that, isn't that cool? Yeah, I went to Bible college. Pretty smart. Uh, 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 I can talk to you about propitiation. Yeah, student Yeah, all that stuff. Okay. Anyways, um, so uh, we started, uh, got a house and uh, started remodeling it. And when you remodel a house, and you start knocking out walls. I found out that there are pillars in the house that you can't knock out. If you do, the house collapses. I remember talking to one of my buddies, like, oh, it's just one little, you can, it's not that big a deal. You can move that one out of the way. And so I thought about like, like, should we risk it? There's a pretty big beam. It should hold the house. And then I called an expert. Called my good friend, Chris Flanders. Chris Flanders in the house? Where's Chris? Chris Flanders, come on now. I called the expert, Chris Flanders. Chris and Laura Flanders, we love them. Come on, Laura's doing all the PowerPoint. Give it up for Laura back there doing the pro presenter. <laughs> Who was around in church when they had the overhead projector? Come on now. Your goodness is running after. <laughs> there are some gifts in technology, all right? You know what I'm saying? Um, so I call Chris, the expert, and I say, Chris, I want to knock this out, this out, this out, this out. Tell me what I should do. And he, uh, he walks around, and Chris knows how to build a house. He knows how to remodel a house. This, this is one of his expertise, okay? And um, he goes, no, don't move that one. Don't move that one. You can actually shorten this one, but you know, brace it with this thing. And I'm walking around, I'm going like, I'm, like, I'm literally amazed. He's just pop, 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 pop. And so we do exactly what he does. And again, if we removed one of those beams, it would have been a big deal. House go bye-bye, okay? <laughs> now, let me share a story with you real quick. The Bible speaks of God as an axiom. Let me unpack what the word axiom means. It is a uh, factual truth that God is the God of the universe. It, it doesn't, the Bible doesn't try to prove to you that God's real. It speaks as you would know it's common sense. 
This is what the Bible does. It's an axiom. It's like, of course God is real. There's this verse, actually, it says in Romans uh, 1, that says, like, of course he's real. I'll, I'll read it to you. Romans 1.19, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. It's talking about creation. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. So the axiom of the Bible says, of course God's real. Let me, let me double down on this real quick. It'd be like you walking in a desert and never seen a watch before in your life. And in the desert, you walk around and you pick up the first watch ever. And you see the second hand ticking. Tick, 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 tick. You see the minute hand moving with the second hand. You see the hour hand slowly moving. And you, you look at the gears in the back and you look at this watch and you say, surely there must be a watchmaker. Would you say, oh, the dust must have been windy for the last hundred years and it made this perfect watch that changes all these gears? Would you say that? Well, look, thank you, sweetie. That's my wife. No, I wouldn't say that, Tyler. I wouldn't say that the sand made the watch. That'd be silly. So thank you, sweetie. Um, and what the Bible's trying to say to you is when you see the world, surely there is a world maker. Because when you see the tides come and go, when you see the sun rise and the sun set, when you see seasons come and seasons go, when you see the earth spin around the sun, we don't see it, but on science, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, except if you're Kyrie Irving, the earth is flat. Long story, we'll talk about it later. Um, here's the deal. When you see the world, you know there's a world maker. And when Jesus comes on the scene, he's also a people maker. He wants to make disciples. And so he comes on the scene and he wants to build a house and he calls you a house. He calls you a temple. And the reality is he's an expert and he'll walk into your life and he'll say, Hey, this can't go. It's got to stay. That's got to go. And I need to build a new pillar because if you don't have this pillar in your life, you're going to crumble. And what the big deal is, is simply saying this, Ooh, if you don't have prayer as a pillar in your life, you're, this is going to crumble. If you don't have a pillar of community in your life, it's a big deal. Your house is going to crumble. If you don't have generosity in your life, woo, it's going to hurt you. It's going to crumble. If you don't know about holiness, ooh, holiness is a big deal. It better be a pillar in your house. Worship. What's the big deal with worship? Am I supposed to engage with it? Ooh, if you don't have worship, it's like the big beam that goes all the way through. God wants to build a house that can sustain the greatest storms. And some of you are like, it's not that big a deal. It's a big deal. And some of the things that you have in your house right now, you think are a big deal, they are just cluttering up your life. Oh, I'm excited about this series. And the first thing we're going to teach on tonight, time my message is, what's the big deal? Dot, dot, dot. Prayer. Prayer. Turn around and say, prayer. prayer. Oh, it's kind of like jam. Yeah. Anybody? That's kind of fun? Okay, yes. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are the world maker. Lord, there is no debate. There is a God. Lord, you say in Ecclesiastes that you place eternity in our heart. And we know, we know we're not just made for some time. We're built to be eternal beings. Oh, it's not a debate. So we look to the absolute truth to show us all truth. And tonight we're going to see prayer. That it's a gift and not a burden. That it's powerful. That it changes things. Oh, Lord, I pray right now, even that as, as service is happening and, and as we're praying, that, that my words would fall to the floor and your words would soar. Oh, that your presence would permeate this room. Oh, Jesus, we need you. We need you. Everybody said? So we're going to look at three things on prayer. Three things. Very simple. Very simple. But I think they're pretty good. Um, how much should we pray? 
I think that's a good one. I think we should talk about how much we should pray. Uh, another one is, why should we pray? I think you should establish why you should pray. And last one, at least, how do we pray? I don't know about you, but we need a how-to. You know what Jesus gives us a how to pray? Who loves the YouTube how-tos? It's amazing. Like, without, I don't, what did we do before YouTube? How do I make steak? How do I remodel my house? How do I call Jordan Mai to do something at my house? Uh, all those kind of things. How-to. Shout out, Jordan. Still love you, buddy. Uh, first one, how much should we pray? I'm just reading a couple of verses real quick. Luke 18, first point. Uh, one day, Jesus told disciples a story to show that they should always pray. Everybody say, always. Always pray and never give up. Do you know a lot of Christians that always pray and never give up? Mission Church can have a lot of Christians that always pray and never give up. Man, the Bay Area needs people that will persevere right now. Man, the Bay Area needs people that will pray for them right now. Man, the Bay Area needs prayer warriors, perseverant ones. So it says always pray. So Jesus said, Jesus was teaching stories. Why? So they would always pray. So it's a big deal. I'm going to teach story after story. I'm going to model my life. I'm going to go away and pray all the time. So you know you should always pray. Let me, let me uh, uh, read you another one. Fifth, first uh, Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. I'm going to give you two verses that you need to memorize by the end of service. Ready? First verse is this. Rejoice always. You just memorize a verse. First Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. You're a Bible genius. You're welcome. You want to uh, memorize another one? Here's another one real quick. 17. Pray continually. That's a whole verse. You're welcome. All right? It's too hard to memorize verses. Just start with those two, okay? So it says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So what does he mean to pray always? What does, it look, what does that mean? What does it look like? There's two ways that, that you could um, really unpack it and even look at the Greek words. First one it means to pray, pray always is that everything you do should be bathed in prayer. Should be bathed in it. So I, I, I've talked about my EOE. I, you know, I have allergies now. My esophagus burns. My tongue burns. It is what it is. So I had to get a bunch of allergy tests. One of the allergy tests was disgusting. So I got my back prick. That's a normal one. Blood tests, some other ones. But one of them, they took 36 foods and taped them to my back. Like literally like salmon, taped, okay? Corn, taped. Like just food after food, taped to my back. And the lady goes, okay, so this is gonna be taped to your back for the next four days and you can't shower. I was like... Uh, I, I didn't even know, like, you should have given me a heads up. She's like, oh, is that going to be a problem? Uh, I get, I mean, my wife's a cuddler, but not for the next four days, I guess. So I have food rotting on my back for four days and I can't shower. At the end of four days, they remove it and see which one of your skin responds to it. Corn, by the way, I was like, boop, allergic. Now, day one, wasn't that bad. You know, I'm walking around, you know, going to meetings. Nobody knows I'm sitting there. I'm like, right now I have salmon, a little bit of beef. Are you, are you hungry? Would you like a Rice Krispie treat? Here you go. Oh my gosh, I'm starving. Hold on a second. What is, what's going on here, okay? So day one wasn't that bad. Day two, I'm like, man, I feel grimy right now. You know, and again, like, don't get me wrong. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to take a, like a, a rag. I'm like, you know, you know. All right, put me back in the game, coach. I mean, I'm trying everything, okay? So day two, day three, I, I stink. I smell. I put on my uh, cologne. You want to know what cologne I wear? Curve from Target. I've been doing it since I was 16. People always ask me, what are you wearing? Curve. I can't stop. You know, I Tom Ford, whatever. I own that, you know, all the expensive ones, but I just go back to Curve. 1999 Target. I smell amazing, okay? So I was double down on the Curve uh, cologne, uh, double down on the, uh, on the uh, what do you call it? The uh, antiperspirant, Old Spice, uh, Bear Glove. Um, Makes me smell, smell like a bear, I guess. Um, it's weird. It masked it, but you could still smell it. Let me just 
pull this in real quick. I'll never forget when I went to the doctor, she peeled the things off my back and I went straight home and I showered. Oh, it felt, it was like, it was rejuvenating. And then I, I took it for granted. I was like, every morning I wake up, I take a shower and just gets my day started. And after a workout at nighttime, I come home, I take a shower and I just sleep better. I don't know, who, who can't go to sleep when their legs feel all sweaty? You gotta like watch, anybody, is anybody, you know what I'm talking about? He's got, yeah, exactly, my people. The rest of you are animals, okay? Night-night, uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh. My girl has gone to Orange Theory before and went to bed. That's nasty, girl. That's nasty. All right. Confession. I didn't ask her for permission on that one. I don't know. Right, pray for me. So anyways. I was like, you're getting into bed right now? She's like, I'm so tired. Burn the sheets. Okay, anyways. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. I, 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 I want you to catch this real quick. This is what happens when you don't bathe your marriage in prayer. Day one, it's not that bad. Day two, it's not that bad. Day three, it kind of stinks. Day four, it starts to stink. Man, maybe, it's just, maybe you can, maybe you just make one big gesture. You just send some flowers. Maybe that will make it smell better. Maybe, maybe you do another thing to try, to try to hide the smell and the stench of your marriage. No, no, you want to know why your marriage stinks? You're not praying. You need to bathe your marriage in prayer. Your kids, man, pray for your kids. Bathe your kids in prayer. Your career, bathe it in prayer. My grandma bathed three things in my life in prayer. She always said it to me. I can't not celebrate it. One was my, my marriage. I would date a girl. Does she know the Lord, Tyler? I'm like seventh grade. I don't know the Lord, grandma. So I don't know if she does, you know? And she's like, I'm praying for your wife. Your, your wife's gonna love the Lord. I'm pray, I, I pray for her every day, you know? I'm like, thanks, grandma, you know? You know, and then I didn't get to high school. My grandma's like, are you valuing your purity, Tyler? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, I'm praying for your purity. You know, all the time, I'm like, grandma, gross. You know, get, get, get out, grandma, you know? And then my grandma always would be like, Tyler, there's a call in your life. You're gonna be a minister. I'm praying for your ministry. Let me just tell you the three most blessed things in my life. I got married with my purity. I, I've been in ministry for 18 years. I didn't know anybody in ministry. And just like any other job, any other place, you know, the, the, the senior pastor has kids, hires the kids and the friend's kids, and then you're the one that nobody knows. And you're like, who's that guy? And I remember saying, God, like, I feel like I'm just getting picked over by everybody else. And, and I remember just when I started in ministry, I just felt like nobody wanted to hire me because nobody knew me. I was the first Christian in my family. And I remember God going, the only one you need knows me. And I started thinking of my grandma, and I got into to church, and I felt like God's favor and hand was just on my life, moving me at the right moment, protecting me at the right moment assigning me at the right moment. Man, my 18 years of ministry, I've loved it. My grandma bathed my ministry in her prayer. My marriage, woo, nine years, come on now. You know, I love my girl. I'll let her get into bed after Orange Theory. I don't even care. My grandma prayed for you. Should have said, prayed a little harder. Okay, pray for me, let's get it. So, three things. Bathe it in prayer. Another way you could say praying always is simply this, pray first. You should have that motto, just pray first. You're going to ask somebody out, pray first. You're, you're going to um, go out and hang out with friends, pray first. You're going to work, pray first. Your kids are leaving, let's pray before school, let's pray first. Just pray first. Everything, pray first. We're going to make a big family decision, pray first. You just got a big bonus, pray first. Everything, pray first, pray first, pray first. There's something about people who know what prayer does to their life. Pray always. Doesn't mean like you're walking through the day, hey, Todd, I'm sorry. Bible says, shut up, okay? I'm a Christian. Bible says to pray always. Get out of here. It's not what it's saying. But what it is saying is that, man, it's got to be a pillar in your life. Bathe the things of God in prayer. Come on now. And when you do, it's not going to stick no more. Come on. Um, now, why should you pray? Why should you pray? 
First one is simply this. Prayer changes things, and one of those things is you. Prayer changes, it changes me. When I pray, I get perspective. When I pray, I get purpose. When I pray, I get joy. When I pray, it just starts to ch- calibrate my heart. I, 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 was, I was anxious this week. When I was preparing this message, I, I haven't had anxiety in a while. Woo, I got anxiety. <gasps> Sorry, I was like, what is going on? And I really believe that, that, that prayer is something the enemy does not want the church to really get a hold of in this season. Because he knows we start praying, woo, things are going to change in the atmosphere. Prayer changes things. Um, there's a church in Alabama, Church of Highlands, and, and Chris Hodges shares this amazing story that he basically decided, hey, we're going to start praying for our city, and we're going to um, change the city's atmosphere. He basically said, not on my watch. And, and I lo- it's an amazing story. So for 50 years, crime had rose in Birmingham, Alabama, year after year. So finally, they start walking the streets. And the police chief actually gave them the streets where the most crime is, and they would send their prayer warriors, and they would walk the streets and just pray, pray over the city. Police chief calls him the following year. Hey, you need to know something. For the first time in 50 years, crime has gone down in Birmingham, Alabama. Prayer changes things. I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I, hope, I hope something's stirring in your heart right now saying, Ooh, my, my family, my neighborhood, I'm going to be the one that changes this block through prayer. I'm going to be praying for restoration. I'm going to start, when I walk to the, the Safeway, I'm going to pray a little bit different. Because in this city, this area, man, we got to own a little bit of what's going on right now. We got to own the coldness. Man, we got to warm it up a little bit. Prayer changes things. Here's another reason why you should pray. Um, prayer is where the work gets done. Prayer is where the work gets done. I love what Martin Luther said. I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Woo! You know Martin Luther, the guy God used to uh, change the world? You ever heard of him? If not, Google him. Martin Luther said, if I got a lot to do, I got to pray my first three hours. There's a story in the Old Testament. It's a famous story. I, I preached on, I think, year one of our church when we were at Heather Farm, maybe actually month five. But it's this amazing story where King Jehoash uh, is losing like crazy, but Elisha, all he knows is victories. Do you know something crazy? Elijah had 14 miracles. Elisha asked for a double portion. He had 28 miracles. And the only person that had more miracles than Elisha was Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So Elisha's got just, you know, I mean, you're talking about dynasties. Way better than any dynasty you ever heard. 28, I mean, this guy is transforming places. So Jehoash gets around Elisha. Does Elisha have 28 miracles and transforming uh, nations because he's super talented? Super athletic? No. Jehoash gets in and goes, hey, I'm in a battle right now. I'm surrounded, we're gonna lose. I need something. And so Elisha says, let's start praying. Grabs his hand, he goes, hey, I want you to go out the door. Let's get spiritual real quick. It's interesting, man, when you get it, when you plant the church in an academic area, affluent area like the Bay Area, man, getting you guys spiritual is hard. Let's get spiritual. Who wants to pray? <laughs> you can tell me a lot of things about, just teach me the Bible, Tyler. I don't, want, I don't want to get into anything that's spiritual. That's too much. Hey, teach me the Greek. I, lo- I love it when Tyler teaches the Greek. He's smart. I'll keep going. So anyways, he tells him to knock the arrows. Problem with Jehoash is he's rich. He's been trained. He's one of the the most trained academic guys of his time. And he thinks it's foolish. He's wasting his time with the spiritual. One, two, three, what's next? And Elisha looks at him and goes, man, if you would have just got into, you would have leaned into this moment, you would have gotten all the victories, but now you're only gonna have a small victory. And this story simply shows this. The spiritual affects the practical. And if you're struggling right now with practical things, Here's the reality. It's like you're walking with one leg. 
You're just trying only practical. Man, activate the spiritual and see what happens to your life. It's just something that happens when you say yes to being spiritual with Jesus. Let's keep going. Another uh, thing, prayer is, prayer is like a vehicle. My mentor uh, says this, prayer is like a vehicle. I think it's like a Tesla. I don't own a Tesla, but I love Teslas. Who likes Teslas and who hates them? It's kind of a polarizing thing. Who loves a Tesla? All righty. Who hates them? Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think going zero to 60 in three seconds is like a gift from God. Okay. Like, you're like, oh my gosh, uh, the movie starts in 10 minutes. <gasps> you know, it's, it's a great thing, okay? Like, oh, I can't go to the music park today, but I can do this real quick. And, uh, oh, you know, I love it. But here's what happens with prayer. It gets you further faster. Uh, another way I'll say is this, is um, prayer will take you from angst to peace. It moves you. It doesn't, maybe it doesn't move you physically, but it moves your emotions. Prayer's a vehicle that, that takes you from uh, the mindset of the world and gets you in the presence of God. There's just something about prayer being a vehicle to get you to places where you can't get. I, I love this verse in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, don't worry about anything. It said, pray about everything. Everybody say pray. pray. Come on, I hope you're getting this. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds every, anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. One of my mentors say it this way, and I love it. Most people are worried about everything because they pray about nothing. We're the opposite of Philippians. Pray about everything, worry about nothing. Instead, we're like, ah! Hey, you prayed? No, why? <laughs> just try it, maybe. It's another one that I love. When I go into prayer, I, I feel like it's the vehicle where you, you take your car to the, the dump and you just get it all out and you drive away a lot freer. I, I love what it says in, in 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's like God's like waiting. He's like, can I carry that? Hey, hey, hey let's, let's pray. Come pray. And I'd love to take some things off your, I'd love to take some things out of your backpack. I'd love to take some rocks out of your life. I'd love to, I'd love to lighten the load if you would just come and Because I care. God cares to lighten the load in your life. Some of you think you're supposed to carry it. That's not your calling. He's the one who carries it. Got one more and then we're going to go into really the teaching of the night. We're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. Prayer is one of the weapons God gave us to fight. It's a weapon. This is why you, you, this is why you should pray. It's, it's fascinating. Uh, I, uh, I've taught Ephesians 6 a ton of times, and I always cut it off one verse too early, I realized. So everybody knows, like the, if you don't know Ephesians 6, it says this in the very beginning of Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Do you know that Satan wants to destroy California? He wants, to destroy, he wants to destroy the Bay Area. And we get so fixated on just the smallest things. You think our, like our authorities, like our city officials and governors are the reason why California is terrible? No, it's because principalities have dominion and we have authority to get them out of here. And so it tells you what to do. It says, put on the helmet, put on the breastplate, get the shield, get the belt, get the sword. I mean, you know, get the shoes. It tells you all that. So it tells you all these things. And the last one says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then I always stop right there. So I'm always like, hey, go fight. And then the next verse, which I never read, says this. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So we always think about the six weapons. There's a seventh one. He says, always be praying. So when we think of the, the armor of God, we always stop there. and like, no, no, oh yeah. And keep on praying. Always pray. All occasions. 
for God's people. It's how we fight. I want to be a good fighter. This last part is where I'm going to kind of camp out for the next, I'd say, 15 minutes, and it's how to pray. Because I think a lot of people in the house, the reason why you don't pray is you just don't know how to pray. And God is so kind that he teaches his disciples to pray. This teaching is for disciples. So if you're brand new, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of service to say yes to Jesus. I, I, I dedicated my life. I said yes to Jesus in service in the second row one time. But, but if you've said yes to Jesus, Jesus is talking to you tonight. He's trying to make a disciple. He's trying to build something. And so he says, here's how you should pray. He, he, I, I used to say this all the time. There's no wrong way to pray. The only wrong way to pray is not praying. That is heretical. That's not correct. There are wrong ways to pray. Babbling, performing, formulas. God just comes at it right there. He just, he's like, stop doing it this way. It's not a good way to do it. And so we're going to look at the how-to to pray. Another thing I just love touching on here is this moment when Jesus teaches on how to pray. You got to understand that the disciples hung out with Jesus for three years. And the one thing they asked God to teach him was to pray. Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? Because some reason when you pray, stuff happens. When you pray for the fish and loaves, it gets multiplied. When you got baptized and then you prayed, guess what happened when you prayed? The heavens opened. When you pray, when you pray, Jesus, things change. Will you teach us how to pray? And because he's a good God, he says, I'll, I'll teach you how to pray. I love what Martin Luther says. This is a message he shared. Called, his title was A Simple Prayer. It was preached in 1535. And I just love this little part that I, I read that I just want to share with you. It's not that long. It's a paragraph. Bear with me. To this day, I suckle at the Lord's Prayer like a child. And as an old man, eat and drink from it and may never get my fill. It is the very best prayer, even better than the Psalter. He's talking about the Psalms. You think prayer is a big deal? The biggest book in all the Bible is a prayer book. Psalms, prayer, prayer, prayer. The Psalter, which is so very dear to me. It is surely evident that the real master composed and taught it. A.K. saying, hey, the Psalms are good, but Jesus, the master, taught this one. Lean in. What a great pity that the prayer of such a master is prattled and chattered so relevantly all over the world. Oh, what a pity that just people say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your they just recite it, but they don't really know what they're saying. How many prayers, uh, how many pray the Lord's Prayer several thousand times in the course of, their, uh, of a year, and if they keep on doing so for a thousand years, they would not have tasted nor prayed one iota, one dot of it. In a word, the Lord's Prayer is the greatest martyr on earth, as are the name and the word of God. Everybody tortures and abuses it. Few take comfort and joy in its proper use. You know what he's saying? He's saying this. The Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 and Luke, ooh, you know what it is? It's like a diamond mine that you walk by every day. It can just, it's just riches to be harvested. It's a neglected diamond mine. It's a neglected well in the desert. It is the greatest gift, and we just buzz past it. We know how to say it, but do we actually know what God's teaching us in it? So what I want to do, and I, man, I, I loved my studies this week. This passage is so rich that this could have been a whole series, and I'm going to do a series on this eventually, but I, I just, I want to give you a, 30,000 overview of just, this should be a part of your every day. You should pray the Lord's Prayer every day. It should look the same every day, but you should have these four things. There's four things you'll see in the Lord's Prayer. I'm just going to share with you quick. The first part, you're going to see adoring. The first thing God shows in the Lord's Prayer is that we should give him adoration. Second thing he shows in, in, in the Lord's Prayer is that we should accept his will. It's like, a, it's like a kid who thinks they know better than the parent. You know how annoying that is? Can you imagine if your seven-year-old was always telling you how to run the house? But imagine the seven-year-old finally came to you and said, hey, dad, hey, mom, 
I had this revelation. You're smarter than me. You know better than I do. I'm going to let you be in charge for now on of the house. Sound good? As a parent, you'd be like, oh my gosh, my kid gets it. Because my kid's an imbecilin. You know, he's just not there yet. He's, he doesn't have his frontal lobe developed. Like, I need to protect him. So, so there has to be acceptance of who's in charge. Alignment will always affect your assignment. Third thing he shows is asking. You should ask God for things. Isn't it funny that most of our prayers, adoring, get it out of here, you know, accepting, get it out of here, we just go straight to asking. We're like, I, I get the Lord's Prayer, but no, all we do is know how to ask. But do you know how to adore? Do you know how to surrender in your prayer? And the last but not least is adhering, obedience. Now, that should be a part of your prayer life. Uh, let's, go into, let's go into the text. Matthew 6, verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. All he's saying is this. If you're going to have a public prayer life, you better have a great uh, private prayer life. These people loved praying publicly, but they never prayed privately. Jesus knows this because he's omniscient. So you're allowed to pray out in public. He's not saying don't ever pray in public. He's just saying, man, you better develop a private prayer life. So he goes on to say, I, I tell you the truth that uh, is all the reward that they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, everybody say father. That's going to be a theme. Who sees everything will reward you. God loves to reward his kids, by the way. Rewarding is not bad. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating the words again and again. Don't be like them, for our Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. Stop. So Jesus is teaching a culture. You need to understand this. The Jewish culture this time took prayer seriously, the highest level. Like, they took prayer at the highest level of, like, the most important thing that you could do. But they still missed it. Here's what I mean by that. Here's what uh, the rabbis would say. Great is prayer, said the rabbis, greater than all the good works. One of the loveliest things that ever was said about family worship is a rabbinic saying, he who prays within his house surrounds it with a wall that is stronger than iron. The only regret, the rabbi said, was that it was not possible to pray all day long. This is what they would teach and say about prayer. They had um, prayers that you would have to pray three times a day. They called it the Shema. And it was uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, uh, Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 21, and Numbers 15, 37 through 41. You had to memorize those, memorize those and Shema is a Greek word that means hear. It's, oh, he, uh, it was when God would say, oh, hear, people of Israel. And he would speak his promises. You had to memorize those, and three times a day, morning, noon, and evening, you would pray those. Every, every Jewish person that, that took it seriously, that's what you did. They were doing this. So you'd be like out about walking, and you're like, oh, it's noon, stop, I gotta, give me a second, Deuteronomy, and they would recite it. Another thing they would do, they had another thing that they would recite, and it was this, the Shemano Esra. I listened to all these, and I think I pronounced that actually pretty good. You're welcome, okay? Um, which means 18. It was 18 prayers written out by rabbis that you were supposed to recite. One of them uh, read like this. Bring us back to thy law, O our Father, bring us back. O King, to thy service, bring us back to thee by true repentance. Praise be thou, O Lord, uh, who dost accept our repentance. That was one that they would pray every day. That was, that was number five on the list of 18. Jesus comes to a culture who is praying three times a day, reciting verses, and then they also have 18 prayers they pray every day. And he says they're missing it. Wow. They're building wrong because he's, he's the master builder. Now, let's just be honest. If Jesus came to our time, we don't have a lot of people praying three times a day. Reciting. Come on, help us. I believe that. Come on. Uh, reciting scriptures three times a day, morning, day, and evening. 
We don't have a lot of people have 18 things they got to pray every day. I would say that at this moment in the church in America, ooh, we neglect. If, if the Jewish culture was Z, we all the way over here and we A. We're like, what is scripture? I got one, pray continually. First Thessalonians 5.16, what's up? Rejoice always, 5.17, you're welcome. I think I flip-flopped that, it's all good. But I, I would submit this to you, that Jesus' teaching today, this is why I love that God is so big, is that this prayer is for people who have misused prayer. Because here's what happened. I'll just, I'll just let you know a little secret. Um, the Jewish culture made prayer a, a prayer a performance and a formula. So they memorized three, three prayers, and it became a performance to do it out and, and about. And then the 18 things they would pray, it was like a formula to fix things. So prayer was a, oh, I, man, that guy's a great prayer. He prays out loud. Oh, my gosh, look at him. Oh. And then they would pray and think if they do this, they would get this. So the, the pagans, the Greek word don't pray like Gentiles, actually pagans, don't pray like the pagans do, is what he's saying is the pagans would pray to get. They would bring something and say, now give me something. And so that was, that's what the prayer life looked like for the Jews, Jewish people this time. Now, Jesus says, here's how you should pray. Who wants a good how-to? You guys ready? First thing that we should do as we pray is we should give God adoration. So the first thing he says, our Father in heaven. Ooh, that's rich right there. That little statement shows you two things when you should start praying. Ready? It should show you that prayer should be relational, not transactional. You're coming to a father, not to a boss. He could have said anything, but the number one way that God refers to himself is father. He says, come relationally. The other thing, our father in heaven, it shows his power. I, I, I wrote this down real quick for you. Um, Psalm 121 says this, I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. That's Psalm 121. So why does it say, I look at the hills, where does my help come from? That context in Psalm 121 is the government was always located on the hill. That's where, that's where the government would be located. They have the most prominent place in the city. And it said, where does my help come from? The hill? Another translation said, the mountain? Question mark. Nope. My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. There's something to be said when you pray. It's, it's like this. Um, uh, our father, it'd be like praying, our father who lives in the White House. If your dad lived in the White House, you feel like you, got, you know somebody with some power. Or if your dad was the governor. And June 15th, he was releasing uh, us to freedom again. It'd be awesome. Yeah, I said it. I want, I want to be free. I don't want to wear a mask no more. I've been very, very citizen well. I've been, I've been a good citizen, haven't I? Man, I've been a good citizen. Freedom. Okay, um, let's keep going. But what this says is our Father in heaven, it calibrates you right there. You are walking into a relational prayer, but not only relational prayer, your dad, he sits on the throne of thrones. Oh, there's something to be said about that. That should calibrate the way. You would pray different if you understood that. That's just the first thing he just wants you to give. Next thing it says this. May your name be kept holy. Hallowed be your name. Let me, let me, I just wrote this real quick. The name of Jesus is like no other name. May I never make common what is valuable. I want to read you two verses. Psalm 910. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 27. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. You ever name drop before? Like you know somebody? I love name dropping sometimes. When I was in LA, I'd name drop once in a while. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, how you doing? Oh, it's my youth group. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that kid. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Kelly Clarkson's musical director. Yeah, they set me on a blind date with Kelly Clarkson. It's kind of cool, whatever, yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy, yeah, he stars in a movie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I do, I do that once in a while. 
But my favorite name drop was when my mom uh, became the number two in charge at the Tacoma Yacht Club. I was about 14 years old. She's now the general manager, but at this time she's number two in charge. And I couldn't get into the Tacoma Yacht Club because I wasn't a member. I didn't own a yacht. So they wouldn't let me in. But my mom said, oh yeah, you can come by and say hi. And the only reason I wanted to come say hi is because I love crab and shrimp. We grew up poor, so we didn't ever have in the house. But Tacoma Yacht Club, in their fridge, they got a lot of crab and a lot of shrimp. So I would, I would come visit and the, the person at the gate would be like, hey, uh, who are you, you remember? No, my mom is Michelle Johnson. Oh, okay, I'll let, let you in. Like, dang, my mom's got some power in that name. Okay, Michelle Johnson. I'd walk in there, I'd get in the kitchen. And they'd be like, hey, who are you? Oh, my mom's Michelle. Oh, yeah. My, my mom was their boss. Open up that fridge. <laughs> grab some crab, grab some shrimp, and just eat that stuff. Mom's Michelle. Anybody else want some? I didn't care. I'd, I would go behind the bar. I feel like, I mean, it hadn't opened yet, of course. Not like people are there eating, okay? Relax. I'd go behind the bar. And they, the, you know the guns that make the soda? Well, when you're a kid, like, it is the coolest thing in the world. I walk behind, hey, who, who's the kid behind the bar? My mom's Michelle. Relax, man. You want me to fire you? I'll do it. Take a seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be quiet. Would you also like a Diet Coke? I'll, I'll serve you also. Right. Mom's Michelle, name drop. There's something about when you know somebody's name, ooh, it gets you access. When you know the name of Jesus, it gets you access to the holies of holies. It will take you from the brokenness of this world to the presence of God. Not only that, when you know a name, there's power in the name of Jesus. So the Jewish culture, they didn't know how to shut up out loud. They're babble, 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 babble. The church today, man, the enemy has an assignment on you to keep your mouth shut. He doesn't want the church crying out in the name of Jesus, declaring things in the name of Jesus, telling the enemy you have to go in the name of Jesus. Because when you use the name of Jesus, just like when I was walking around the yacht club, when I walk around, I'm like, hey, just so you know, demons, just so you know, principalities, yeah, Jesus, yeah, he's my father. You gots to go. You're fired. And you're fired. It's almost a Donald Trump voice. You can't do that. Let's go, go. Okay, here we go. I'm in the Bay Area. We don't say that word. It's like the F word. Um, just keeping it real. Um, so adoration. Next one is accepting, accepting, accepting. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, throw up the Tyler Johnson original quote. I worked on this for you. I, ho I hope this will stick with you. Ready? So many Christians are asking God for more of the world, but God teaches us to ask for more of heaven. I, I think of this uh, thought. Um, if your prayers were answered today, would your world look different or the world look different? Uh, I, I feel like a lot of people, like you've been praying all week and the only thing that would happen from all your prayers is you get a promotion and your wife would be nicer. That's all you pray. If all your prayers are answered this week, you're like, oh, my debt's gone. Great. Nobody else would know, but your, your bank account's a little fuller and you don't own credit card debt. That, like, that's really what you prayed this week? The Bible says, no, no. Pray a little bigger. May the kingdom of God come to earth and may earth be as it is in heaven. Do you know the number one thing Jesus preached his whole ministry was the kingdom of God? Again, what's the big deal? It's a huge deal. God came on the scene, repent for the kingdom of God is near. It's uh, the, the kingdom of God. I talked about the past in Genesis, talked about the kingdom of God, talks about the future kingdom of God, and talks about the present kingdom of God. And, and the theologians call it the now but not yet. 
uh, uh, statement. And all that means is that if you start praying that the kingdom of God would start coming into your life and through your life, ooh, you would be bringing heaven into places that never experienced heaven. But a lot of us, we don't, we don't pray prayers like that. And the reason why I call it accepting, it's something that's changed my walk. I, I've got a great friend, uh, shout out uh, to my buddy. He, uh, he's got some kids. And I kind of shared this already in the message, but I, re- I need you to catch it. Like, this has changed my walk profoundly. He said, Tyler, if my kids came up to me and said, Dad, you know best. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. That's what this prayer is telling you, like, to accept the authority of God and let him be in charge. He goes, I would be putty in their hands. Oh, man, I'll be, because all I want them to do is marry the best person. I want them to have the best life. I want them to be protected from the things. I would, I would direct their steps in a way that they could never, oh, I just wish they would sit, but they don't. And I remember the next morning I woke up and I started reading my Bible and I just said, God, you're my dad. And throughout the day, I'm going to tell you, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. You know better. And you know what's been happening? I asked Rachel this, it was uh, about a week ago. And I this is just real talk. Do you feel like our marriage is a lot better than it was three weeks ago? And Rachel's answer, what was it? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Be aware, she's like, I don't remember, no. <laughs> I, I'll go walking, I'm literally walking around the house and I'm like, God, what would you want me to do right now? What do you want me to do? God, what would you not want me to do? God, I know you wouldn't want me to do that. And I'm just so submitted to him right now. And it's been, this, it's been the sweetest month of my life. And none of it is I'm following rules. I'm just obeying my dad because he knows best. He knows what I should say no to and what I should say yes to. I'll read my Bible and I'll see something like, you want me to say yes to that? I'll say yes to that, God. There's something about just accepting the authority of your father. Man, pray that way. Live that way. Next one is asking, asking. So, so now we have adoration. We have accepting the authority of the father. Uh, next one is asking. Give us today the food we need. It's a very simple one. Uh, the, the, another translation says, give us our daily bread. Now, what does the Bible say about bread? There's a lot of things. It says that, that the word of God is bread. We, we live off the, the word of God. So, so give me today truce so I don't say yes to lies. It's interesting to me that the enemy... How many people in this room, you have followed the wrong life simply because you followed a lie instead of knowing truth? God, give me truth today. Truth about who I am and whose I am and how I'm supposed to live so I don't say yes to lies. How many girls have I seen date when I was a youth pastor, date the wrong guy because they didn't know the truth about their value and how God created them? If they just had the daily bread, the daily truth that they're a princess and they are called by God and there is a calling on their life, but they only knew the lie because their dad never told them this. Their ne- the, the, some guy told them this. So they lived a different, different story. Well, give me the truth today, God. So that's what it represents. Another thing it represents is simply this. Jesus says, I am the bread. Woo, Jesus, give me you today. I need you in my life today. There's something about saying that. And last but not least, it's just provision. We, we know that manna, bread came from heaven. Lord, you know exactly the type of provision I need today. I don't know, so just give me whatever, whatever, give it to me today, God, and I'll be, and it's daily. You know what's so interesting about this too? It says us. Do you know you're never blessed for yourself? Give us our day. Why, why, you'll never see me in the Lord's prayer. It's our Father, us, because all of these prayers, your life is connected to my life. If I do well, it blesses you, trust me. You do well, it blesses me. 
If you don't do well, it hurts me. If I don't do well, it hurts you. When somebody's not doing well, they're not praying the Lord's Prayer, they just start talking trash about people. Oh, it hurts the church. When I'm not doing well, I start talking trash about the church. People don't appreciate me. I've been there a couple times, only twice in three years. But you just like have a couple people in church and it just ruins you. Oh, it's not good. There's just something to be said about saying, God, give me what I need. Next one, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now, this is an interesting one. We're going to talk about sin real quick. And I am, I, in my sermon series, I actually have one just on sin. So what's the big deal? Sin. I think we should talk about it. It's all throughout the Bible. It's crouching at the door. It wants to own your life. It wants to destroy you. But what I want to touch on today with sin is simply this. is God says, forgive me of my sins, so I will forgive those who sinned against me. So there's a two-part of this, but I want to teach you about sin real quick. I'm just going to give you a little overview about the Greek word of sin here. So the first uh, Greek, uh, there's a handful of Greek words that, that represent sin. Uh, the most common one in the Bible that isn't used here is um, hamartia, hamartia, hamartia. Uh, and it simply means miss the mark. You might have it up there, but maybe not. That might be on the screen tomorrow. But hamartia, and it means miss the mark. So it simply means just the, the, the most common word for sin in the Bible is somebody who is shooting an arrow and they miss the mark. And the reason why they use that Greek word for sin is, is when we wake up in the morning, there should be a target for our day. Jesus, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love people. And then you start living your day. I hate people. Man, I love me some me. Give me some more me. You missed the mark. It's a sin. Okay. So, so that's the most common one that happens. But man, I'm going to ask you this. Become a focused Christian. There's something about being focused. I, I shared this in our prayer time. I just want to share it with you quick. Uh, it's this really intense uh, uh, statement that Jesus makes. He's like, I got to go. Uh, and the person's like, I got to have a funeral. I got to have a funeral. He's like, let the dead bury the dead. I'm like, dang, that's cold-blooded. No, so Jesus is saying, I got time for one thing, to please my God and preach the gospel. I'm a focused Savior. Something about Christians, I'm focused today. I don't got time for just being selfish. I got time for one thing. I'm going to expand the kingdom. Something to be said about that. So give us today the food we need. Forgive us sin and forgive us sin. So hamartia. Second one is this. Second type of sin uh, in the Greek word is uh, parabibsis. Parabibsis. They're, they're Greek words, so bear with me. I even did them phonetically down here, okay? Um, parabib, uh, parabibsis. And it simply is stepping across the line. Another Greek word for sin. And all, all this word represents is there are people who know right and wrong. You know what you should be doing for the Savior. You know how you should live your life. But you decide to say, I'm just not going to do it. Just, no, I'm good. And this is a Greek word of sin that believers do. But he doesn't use that one in that one for some reason. So he doesn't use Mr. Mark in this one. Doesn't use just cross and lump. Today I'm going to live for myself. I know you tell me to forgive, but forget about it. You know, I know I'm not supposed to do this with that person or do this, but you know what? Today I'm going to do it. That's what that sin represents. Next one is parapetoma. Toma cheese, by the way, is delicious. Parapetoma. Parapetoma. This Greek word represents slipping into sin. You kind of just accidentally slipped into it. You weren't planning on doing it. Maybe your friends are going out and you're like, yeah, I'll hang out. And then the next thing you're like, how in the world am I drunk and I'm hanging out with this? What, what, how did this happen? I wasn't planning to cross the line. I just slipped into it. And, and that happens to us throughout the week at times. We, we slip into a sin. So, so that's another Greek word for sin. But he doesn't use that one either. So he doesn't use miss the mark, doesn't use cross the line, doesn't use slip in into sin. Here's another one. 
Anomamia. Anomamia. And this is a bad one, by the way. It's lawlessness. Just what we see right now in our culture. No reverence for it. I want to celebrate sin. It's, it's the Greek word of forget it. Sin, what is sin ain't no thing. Celebrate it. Ooh, I love me some sin. That's what that one is. It's like, hey, we're having a party. Who wants to sin tonight? That's what that Greek word would represent. He doesn't use that one either. He uses this Greek word, and I'll tell you why. Ophelama. Ophelama is the Greek word for an unpaid debt. You have a debt. Now, here's why he uses this, and I'm going to unpack for real quick. If it was the, one, uh, the Greek word for slipping into sin, some of you would actually be like, it's not that bad of a sin. Because the reality is, is that we kind of gauge our sins of how much debt it, it costs. Doesn't matter if you're one of the people that, oh, I just missed the mark a little bit today. The debt's bigger than you can pay back. Doesn't matter if the person to your right is the one that's like, woo, I love me some sin. You guys are in the same camp, even if you're just slipping into it. What Jesus is saying is, guess what? You're all dead broke. You can't save yourself, so you need my forgiveness. And the people around you, they're dead broke. They need your forgiveness. And the reality is, it says in this, in this Matthew 6, the teaching goes, if you don't forgive, guess what the Bible says? God won't forgive you then. One of the most intense statements from our Savior. And really, if I could unpack what this is saying, it's saying this. If you don't know how to forgive, then you've never really been forgiven. You don't walk forgiven. Because people have actually tasted real forgiveness. They know their debt has been paid. And so they love paying other people's debts. Because now you're balling. You're just generous now with grace because, because God was so generous with you. You just can't, it, generosity, it's, it's, a, it's a transfer thing. It doesn't stop at you. It just keeps going. This one right here uh, in the prayer of um, asking, we were praying for you tonight if you're bad at forgiving. So anybody in the room that you're bad at forgiving, I need to know something right now. You're ruining your life. It is one of the most toxic things you can do. Studies even show it. This isn't even a, I, I'll just step out because God's so good. He knows the way we're wired. People who unforgive get sick, uh, sick more and they die earlier. They, they, they're, they're, it's just, it's not good for your body. One of the healthiest things you can do is start forgiving. But the reality is, is that you think you're God. Get out of the seat and just start forgiving people. And even ask God to forgive you for thinking that you know better than he does. Man, forgiveness will set you free. Almost done. I invite the worship team to come up. Last but not least, adhering, obedience. This is the last thing. He says this, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So let's talk about this real quick. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So Jesus is led to the desert and he's tempted by uh, Satan. And the Holy Spirit leads him to this test. The translation, whenever we have the Greek and English, it kind of misses a little bit. Here, here's the best way for me to unpack what it's saying. God, help me pass the test today and help me not be used by Satan, but may I be used by you. Because what happens is if the Christian doesn't pass the test that day, people are going to get hurt today. The best disciples are tested disciples. Let me, let me just put it this way. Um, yeah, I think the best one would be an airplane. I, I just got to use it. I mean, I, I might have year one talked about airplanes being tested. Forgive me. I just feel like it's the best way to communicate it. How many of you would ever get on a plane if the pilots never gone through any tests? 
They're going, hey, it's my first time. Everybody get on. Not only that, we've never even tested the plane. We don't even know if the wings are going to hold on. Hop in the plane. You wouldn't do it. We love that the plane goes through vigorous wind tests and stress tests, all these type of tests. We love that the pilot has to go through testing even uh, for their physical body so they'll not die while they're flying you to your destination. And what Jesus is doing in our life, and that person is saying this, Lord, don't, leave, don't, don't let the enemy leave me to temptation. A.K.A., Lord, help me pass the test today. You're going to get tested. Your, your patience is going to get tested. Your selfishness is going to get tested. Your purity is going to get tested. Do you know the best thing is? Is when you're around a Christian who passed the test. Because you're going to test a Christian and you want them to pass the test when you test them. When you offend them, oh, may they pass with forgiveness. God, I'm being tested right now. Oh, I forgive because I know, I know maybe their intention wasn't that, but the impact, I just felt so betrayed. And, and here's what happens when you don't go into temptation, the Bible says, and deliver me from the evil one. You're no longer used by Satan anymore to hurt people. You're used by God to bring restoration to people. Oh, what a prayer. As I go to work today, may I pass the test. May I be selfless and kind and loving. Oh, as I, as I uh, walk through my marriage, may I pass the test. May I serve and honor and guard what God has for me. As I get a bonus and I get paid and finances come my way, oh, may I pass the test and not be selfish, but may it get to me and get through me, Jesus. Oh, tested to Don't be used by Satan. Be used by God this week. That's one of the things you should pray. It's pretty sad that we get used by the enemy throughout the week. It's devastating. But this week, we're going to pray. When are you going to pray? Everybody say always. Can I pray for you? Bow your heads. God, I thank you for what you're doing at Mission Church. and I believe that our church is going to become not just a church that is known for worship and known for serving, uh, known for evangelism, known for praying. We're just going to be known as a church of impact because, God, you are building a house. You are the house maker. And you don't build a house so it's just shall we? You don't build a house so it looks nice. You build a house to save a region. You build a house to save a world. Well, Lord, I pray it would start with us. May the pillar of prayer in our house, oh, may be built this week. May we pray always. Pray in the morning, pray in the evening, pray in the midday. Oh, may we bathe our marriages in prayer. May we bathe Mission Church in prayer. May we bathe the Bay Area in prayer. Woo, may we pray. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.